be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Summer Falcon Screen. And Kriparat Nehru and Chris Evans will be joining us in a moment to talk all things Sci Fi Film Festival and the Farewell, the new film from Lulu Wang, which had its premiere at the Melbourne International Film Festival and is in cinemas from later this week. However, first up, the Sci Fi Film Festival, it is the sixth annual festival. It is hitting full swing on Friday night through to Sunday night at Event Cinemas George Street, a whole weekend of science fiction cinema. And we have with us director of the festival to talk all things sci fi. Simon, thank Simon Foster, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, look, it's a pleasure to be here. It was only a year ago when we did all this. I, I remember very vividly. It was a great time, so I'm looking forward to the chat. And we have with us Varat Nehru, who's here. Um, welcome, Varat Nehru, freelance writer and critic. Hello, hello. Looking what? very dapper, too. Oh, thank you. With wonderful mic technique, the way you just grabbed that with a hot, a hot mic. Just swung it, swung it right round. <laughs> yeah, no, we are professionals, right? That, that, that little chip didn't make it on. That's all fine. Um, and we should also note that in full swing as of tonight is the Sydney Latin American Film Festival. We had Giselle Gallego on last week. Wish happy birthday for Giselle. Uh, we are pre-recording this. So her actual birthday is today, but for the purposes of the recording, it actually technically happened yesterday yeah. when this goes to air. Yeah, so we happy had birthday, a Giselle. Sort of, you know, birthday month kind of celebrations we had so many birthdays and like we're all turning older and dying and the way you describe that sounds suspiciously like time travel yes it does which, which is, is perfect perfect <laughs> what a segue that's, like, that's us, the best segue which feeds us into what are the films we'll be discussing one I watched today I got a little bit of a preview and it's screening during the weekend and it is about a time traveller um, who's well Norman and uh, and the film is appropriately called well, Norman. 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 <laughs> it's a terrific little film. We've got, uh, well, when we started, we had nine features, and we had a couple of very exciting ones drop in, so we're up to 11 features now. We've got uh, 32 short films, a record number of short films for the Sci-Fi Film Festival, um, representing filmmakers from 17 different countries, which is also a record. Um, We've got a Croatian film called My Grandpa is an Alien, which is screening at 10.30 on Sunday. Uh, a couple of great German features, um, one which is having its world premiere here called A Living Dog, and another one called The Final, <coughs> excuse me, called The Final Land. Um, and opening the festival is a film called Necrotronic from uh, the guys that made Wormwood, Kia and Roach, Tristan Turner. Did I hope I got that right? Um, no. Kia, Roach Turner, and his brother Tristan Turner. Yes, I did get it right. Um, and this is a film that they filmed here in Sydney with Monica Bellucci, David Wenham. Um, I'm keen to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Sometimes you dance with the devil when you create a film festival. You want to get a big film and you program it when it comes into, sort of falls into your lap, and that's what's happened with Necrotronic. So I'm very excited about seeing it. Now, I, I, I hesitate to describe a film as viral, but Wormwood was one of the few films I felt that was a viral sensation. And this is the l l latest follow-up from these from this crew. Yeah, they've got a much bigger budget to work with this one. A lot of it was shot around Fox Studios. Anyone who saw Wormwood knows that it was a, a very rough-and-tumble zombie epic um, that was shot over a series of weekends with a whole lot of mates, although it looked fantastic. It had a, a fantastic sort of blood-and-guts aesthetic to it. Uh, um, Necrotron by all accounts, is a, a far more polished film. It's had a US theatrical release and VOD release since um, since we programmed it. So um, it is only getting a limited big screen run. We're kicking off its a weekend of screenings all around the country. Um, our Sydney screening at the festival is the Australian premiere and then event are playing it in uh, Brisbane, I think, and Inaloo and a couple of the other sites around the country, but only for this weekend. So um, so do get out and see it on the big screen. By all accounts, it's a, it's a pretty nutty experience. And you have an Australian short, a world premiere, which is premiering 
I think right right before the feature? Uh, we do. We have a couple of Australian short world premieres. We have a film called Brolga, which is um, a, a real passion project for a director called Adrian Powers. He uh, wrote the script 10 years ago, has also been shooting uh, over many weekends to, to get his film made. It has an indigenous theme, um, a lot of Dreamtime storytelling elements in there, uh, all set in the in the near future when Australia's a dystopic society. Um, near but, future? Or? Yeah, well, well, exactly, yeah. Near as in a matter of hours, maybe. Um, he flew to Chernobyl. Uh, with the uh, cinematographer to capture a lot of footage in in really stark, beautiful black and white um, to sort of get across the message of this being a a future where cities are ruined. Um, I'm sold. You said black and white and I'm there. It is a beautiful film and it will be... I actually sat in on the the DCP test a a couple of weeks ago and it is one of the most gorgeous looking films I've seen in a long time with a young actress called Tiani Coupland in the lead role who is just fantastic. and also uh, a young director called Chris Alina. He's world premiering his short film f- at the festival called Audio Guide, which is a very cool sort of Twilight Zone story about what happens when a, a young woman takes a tour of an art gallery and the audio guide, the headphones, start uh, pointing out flaws in other people and telling other and telling her their secrets and finally starting to predict what could be a very dark future. So it's a, it's a very clever little film, and um, and Chris is a great director. Yeah, Chris, we know Chris, and Chris actually, fun fact, has a unusual history with the show. Chris, uh, we're like, we like Game of Thrones <laughs> in that we have never aired our pilot, and never, and we could one day, but Chris actually helped us record the pilot episode for the show before it went to air. Wow, so you'll be, you know how much he knows his movies yes, and how we passionate do. he is about, well, particularly Paul Thomas Anderson, but films in general, um, and that comes across. He's got a great eye for composition. This is a beautiful-looking short film, and he very determinedly shoots on um, on film. Yeah, I've, I've, he... Very committed. Yes, he is. And very it's very distinct. So I'm keen for that. Yeah, that well, that screen's ahead of Norman, the film you referred to at the top of the show. Um, the young American director, uh, Joel Gulzow, is coming out for that film, and we'll be doing a Q&A with both Chris and Joel uh, after their session on Sunday at 3.30. And speaking of Chris, as we have joining us, uh, Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hey, people. Hello, Hello Chris. Hello, Chris. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so let's talk about Norman. Okay. Time travel. Sure. It's a film that is uh, spoken of uh, with great passion by the director. He, uh, once again, spent a lot of time getting the funding together, making this very low-tech kind of do-it-yourself filmmaking appear very high-tech. And it's quite a thoughtful, quite a complex time travel story. Um, Had me asking a lot of questions as to... Uh, the fate of the protagonist, as well as the the different you know time zones and the different uh, multi-dimensional travelling that he undertakes, um, it remind I, I think in sort of its big blockbuster studio form, it's a little bit like Inception. But this is a small film shot in Richmond, Virginia, um, with a great young actor in the doing a whole lot of straight to camera sort of stuff, and I, I found it a really fascinating film. I. It, I actually used to live. I've spent quite a bit of time in Richmond. I lived a couple of towns over once, and it look. It makes excellent use of the location, yes, and there's some beautiful use of the. There's I, I, apparently a limited special effects budget, mm-hmm. but it's used to excellent effect in a few finite sequences. Yeah, yeah, and I think the 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 uh, sort of. The AI character in the film um, is also handled in a really effective way. So I guess it's quite a distance into the future, but then you're never quite sure 
which level of futuristic world it's in, and I thought that was a really interesting way it told its story. A lot more personality for AI than you'll see in most films. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought let's uh, change tack here a little bit and sure. uh, talk about the women in sci-fi sidebar, which you're presenting, co-presenting with the Women in Film Television Collective, which is interesting because I think uh, we talk a lot about the representation of women in sci-fi and behind the screen and in front of the screen. Yep. But I think this is a very beautiful initiative and you know, I think it's interesting to see how that's come about. Thank you, mate. Yeah, at last year's festival, we had some great statistics that showed that something like 60% of our films were either made by women or or fronted by women, had women lead characters. And in the films that were submitted this year, I, we didn't quite have that diversity. We didn't, And so what I wanted to do was find a whole series of, of um, short films made by women filmmakers, uh, women producers, women directors, um, and present that as, as a body of work. And you're absolutely right. The perspectives that they bring to the science fiction genre, and there's many different types of stories and narratives in in the sh- in the the women in sci-fi showcase um it's just fascinating and and so refreshing to watch um all these different perspectives play out on the screen there's a, a short musical version there's a a couple of different ai stories there's certainly a um uh, sort of rising up of the against the patriarchy storylines in a couple of those um so it's and they're from all over the world we have one from lithuania we've got a couple from the uk one from france um and they, they bring a real sort of exciting, refreshing, energized look at, at science fiction that um, that, I, that it's a thrill to watch when you when you discover these films. I mean, it's a tired old trope that women are not represented well in sci-fi, but I think we're proving that wrong pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And a lot of the most interesting works um, have women behind the cameras, in front of the cameras. I remember last year we had um, Prospect as one of our main films, and it's gone on to be sort of a... a, a uh, what's the word? A uh, high watermark for for women representation and young women representation on screen. Um, so I was really excited about getting these films together. And Prospect is now on Netflix. Is that right? Yeah, it's playing across a couple of the platforms. Yeah. I'm sort of a lapsed anime fan, so one film oh. that caught my attention on the schedule was Human Lust. Oh wow! It really gives from the trailer a real like '90s. Um, cyberpunk anime kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, a bit of Akira, a bit of Ghost in the Shell. It's exactly what it is. Your classics. How how did you find it? Well, um, I'm a huge anime fan. I'm a huge animation fan. We've got a couple of short yeah, animated films in the in the festival. Um, I was looking at the Annecy Film Festival, Animation Film Festival, um, and they actually had one film that I couldn't get. And then I noticed Human Lost, and when I saw the trailer, um, I just had to have it. It had been a while since we'd had a an anime film in the festival. Um, it had been a while since we'd had an anim- uh, any sort of animated feature in the festival. Um, and with an eye on programming international films, I was determined to see it. Um, I was fortunate enough to have got a, a screener link and watch it at home on the television with the volume cranked right up. And now I just can't wait to see it on the big screen. Um, in the first third of this film, there's one of the most extraordinary car chase sequences I've ever seen. Um, animated or not, it just looks beautiful and is thrilling to watch. Um, then it sort of settles into a, a bit more of a personal story, but it, it, it never looks anything but beautiful, and I can't wait to see it on the big screen. It's a, it's a gorgeous piece of animation. I didn't know anything about the, the backstory, the, um, the famous novel upon which it's based, and um, how the characters are, are sort of very famous in, in Japanese literature, um, and that's all given full flight and, and on the screen. And yeah, it's a beautiful film. Jumping from 90s style anime nostalgia to 
you know, in the future, mm-hmm. specifically to 2037, which is a good year. So yeah. The Eratum 2037, which is my, my really niche segue, which I was trying to go for, which did work. But let's talk about that one. Well, it was a film that was actually made about 18 months ago, and I um, I stumbled across it at a little French seaside festival where they only screening like four films. And it was made locally by these the Benoit brothers, these three young men who at the time I think were only 15 or 16 and 17, and um, Emilian and, and, a couple, and his brothers had made this uh, once again, a very low-budget backyard film, but it had been made with such energy and with and for someone like me, an old fart, uh, 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 such sort of reverence for the 80s. Um, you were just 21. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's what I am, four <laughs> times over. And the and the um, the way that they reference Back to the Future or The Fifth Element or all just this uh, huge amount of pop culture references in also telling a really exciting story. Yes, once again, it's made on a very low budget, made with family members, um, but it's a film that, uh, yeah, like I said, I saw about a year ago um, and then when I, I couldn't get it for last year's festival because they didn't have a subtitled version of it. Um, they couldn't afford to pay for subtitling. Uh, but when I invited them to this one, they... Um, they got their act together and did a bit of typing with the fluoro letters, and now I'm screening at 10.30 on Saturday morning. Um, so I really encourage people to get along to that one because, yes, it's a low-budget film, um, and yes, it's in French, but it's made with such energy and such sort of um, um, love for the pop culture references, which are, which is so much part of our day, uh, of daily living. It's a, it's a great film to watch. Typing with fluoro letters is now my favorite description of subtitling. I'm going to use that every time now. Get that on a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of teenagers uh, with a passion for film and sci-fi, yeah. um, I noticed that you programmed the long in the in the making and um, long-awaited 52577. Patrick Reed Johnson, the director, started making the film in 2004 with uh, Star Wars producer Gary Kurtz. It's an autobiographical story about um, when he was a young man, he was obsessed with, with movie making. This is in the mid-70s. And was he was sort of that classic kind of Super 8 camera, backyard movie making whiz kid. Um, he got the opportunity to meet Steven Spielberg on the set of Close Encounters. Um, and But he found that a, a little bit disconcerting. And as he was wandering around Hollywood, he got asked to go to the, a screening of a, a sort of a little space cowboy kind of movie that no one was going to sh- was sure how it was going to do. The film was Star Wars, and he was one of the first young men in America to see the film. Um, And it, of course, changed his life, like it changed the life of so many people who saw it at the time. And this is a a story that he began to tell in 2004, filmed it with Gary Kurtz, the Star Wars producer uh, on board producing it. Then he ran out of money. Then he got some more money and was able to shoot a bit more. Um, finally, he said, I've just got to make this film any way I can. So it's a, once again, it's a little rough around the edges. But he has been touring with the film. It had a, it had a couple of showings at the Alamo Drafthouse. Um, I'm told that our screening of it on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, he called it the Southern Hemisphere premiere. It's right. never been shown in this half of the world. I read about this film. Years ago, yeah, yeah, it's been so long. It's been bouncing around. Um, he's used a little bit of CGI to finish off a few scenes. It stars what's his name, John Pat- John Francis Daly, the yes, from, from Freaks and Geeks. Geeks, yeah, who's yeah. now a big Hollywood screenwriter. He did um, Game Night and uh, mm-hmm. Vacation Movie, and uh, but this shows him at a very awkward sort of teenage kind of version of himself, fully grown up from the Freaks and Geek days, but not quite a. Uh, a man yet and uh, it's a great lead performance um, uh, in which he plays Patrick he plays the director um, 
and I've spoken a couple of times with Patrick Reed Johnson about the film, and um, Patrick's gone on to have a, a checkered sort of Hollywood career. He had a couple of highs. He did Spaced Invaders. and he a, did Baby's Day Out. And Baby's Day Out, yeah, oh. so he, that was the high point. Um, but uh, he's got, not gone on to do a lot of lecturing and a lot of school uh, film school teaching now, but he's still passionate about this film, and when I chased him down to, to screen it here in Australia, he was thrilled and was actually going to be trying to come out for the festival but just couldn't work it so he was he could be here. But um, he's thrilled to be here in the fest in the festival. It reminds me of I think it was a few years ago at the Melbourne Film Festival and a few others. Raiders, a uh, great flick mm. about um, this long tw- twenty year dedicated passion project for these kids who became adults into making remaking Shop Shop Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right, yeah. And they the whole film was about them trying to finish the one scene, which was the scene on the uh, air with the airplane with the wing. Up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, it's I'm keen for that. I know this is Sunday night. But, Sunday night at six. Yeah. Yep. Which is the closing night. But prior to that, you know, so we talked a little bit of Air Final Land. Uh, German film, which I wish I could say I've seen. I'm twenty. I'm twenty minutes uh, left to go. <laughs> so, I, and I know this is the most suspenseful part of the film, but it is, it is very much a film that hangs on. Um, where are the characters, and where is everything going? And I'm, I know, I'm really curious to find out. Two characters in in real conflict. One is a, a fleeing prisoner. The other one is someone sent to hunt him down. They're stuck on a remote planet. Um, a lot of this film is shot in uh, very tight spaces, uh, created in a garage in in. Uh, uh, North Westfalen, I think, is the way you pronounce the region of Germany, um, by uh, Marcel Barry on a great young director who's only made a couple of sort of music videos and, and commercials along the way. Um, but he is completely inspired by what Ridley Scott did with Alien, and this film has a real lived-in, dirty, grimy look to it that's that's very realistic. Um, and yes, it's a, on a spaceship in a distant planet, but it's a a real sort of dramatic two-hander in which these really strong characters butt heads. So it's a it's a fascinating story and, and a great example of how yes, it can be a science fiction setting, it can be in the future, or it can be in a spaceship or something, but the best ones are, are about real intense human connections. And I think that's what, although his film looks a bit like Alien, it also takes on board the the um, human dynamic that has made Alien so enduring. Elves of Dust, Boot and Space. And also um, one of the iconic um, sci-fi series of our lifetime with Edward James Olmos. There's a, there's a strong Battlestar Galactica element to it. Which yeah, really for sure. And that you don't see a lot of films that follow that uh, narrow trajectory, so I think this will shine through for a lot of fans of that All pointed series. out. Yeah, absolutely right. No, actually, uh, it's interesting to talk about that, and especially sci-fi as a genre. I mean, it does bring out, yes, the hardcore fans, uh, but also it's interesting as a genre and, and how it's uh, talking about everything. You know, sci-fi is a good way to deal with some of the major issues of our time so it, it becomes a very prescient genre in that sense I think I think that's one of the things I react to most of all when I watch great science fiction films I'm also involved with uh, the Monster Fest people and, and they're coming to Sydney at the end of October and it's what I react to in great horror films as well you're absolutely right the ones that endure and the ones that um, really connect with audiences beyond their, their genre roots and their, their genre settings are those that have some sort of commentary those that have some sort of um, uh, s- commentary on society, on um, and the, I mean the classic example of that is the is the George Romero films, and I won't get too deep into that because there's a whole lot of people who know more about it than I do. But we can geek out after this. Yes, exactly, we'll do that. But one was about consumerism, one was about Vietnam, and so on and so forth. So it's a yeah, the the, the great science fiction films and the great horror films um, have a lot more going on beneath the surface. Speaking of science fiction more generally, we have a de- festival dedicated to science fiction, 
and we have the rise of Skywalker as probably the major temporal release of the year for any studio, uh, which is coming out later. But there aren't a lot of science, major science fiction films, certainly less so in recent years. I found that it pervaded Ad the Astra major weekly releases. I know, yes, I know Ad Astra is coming, and but Gemini Man is coming, and Gemini Man is coming. Which, which, you Gemini really should have done your research. Yeah. Gemini yeah. <laughs> Man, Man is coming, and, all, Hi, and all, High Life was here, which uh, is practically High Life is a, a tiny film, every, every, which, which, which is more like a low life, to be honest. And everything you've said is right, but I stand by my point. There are a le- there's less saturation of major sci-fi releases in the past couple of years than there has been thing. over the past few years. Yes, those are three major examples, but a few years ago you would have been able to name ten major examples within the space of a few months. Mm. Well, that's very true, but there's also that grey area with... Um, there are elements. I mean, is Guardians of the Galaxy a science fiction film? Is it a so? There's science fiction influence on uh, um, the the whole uh, comic book movie kingdom, and so you've got to weigh into how influential science as a science fiction as a genre has been in that time. But yes, you're right. It's not like there's you know outside of the Star Wars films, which are you know Disney are rolling out fairly quickly now. There hasn't been a a big exciting sort of science fiction film blockbuster in in quite a while. And that's why we're glad we have dedicated festivals like this, where we can go and seek out science fiction. Me and, too. Yeah, and when and it's we know when it's happening. It's happening from Friday through to Sunday mm-hmm. at events in Miss George Street. For those who want to seek it out, how do we get there? How do we get tickets? Uh, just Google Sci-Fi at Event Cinemas. Um, their websites are huge, long numbers and everything. I can't remember what they are, but yeah, just the Event Cinemas Sci-Fi page. Uh, you can go to the um, all the screenings are listed as, as events on the Sci-Fi Festival Facebook page, which is just at Sci-Fi. Fest, film Festival um, and there's uh, Necrotronic is selling quickly don't forget you'll be able to see that in other states as well um, but there's still quite a few tickets left for some of the other sessions and a lot of great films as well very good well Simon it's been great to have you on and I guess we'll talk soon we'll see you on Friday night and I will see you. I'll be seeing you again on Sunday as well good luck and yeah Sci-Fi Film Festival check it out thank you guys I appreciate it and yeah, we'll just... may the peace be with you. Oh, which whichever... oh <laughs> wow. That's it, I'm out of here. Okay, <laughs> and Simon's going to come on the show again. And we're back r- right after this, um, talking all things the farewell. Farewell, S- Simon. Stay, <laughs> stay tuned uh, and um, live long and prosper. We absolutely love our supporters at 2SER. To give back, we have regular supporter-only giveaways with tickets to gigs, movies, the theatre, exhibitions and more. Look out for 2SER e-news in your inbox to see what you could win. Stories, ideas, music and free stuff. You win! Sydney Latin American Film Festival is on now, our city's most fun and vibrant celebration of independent cinema. Discover an eclectic and vibrant mix of stories focusing on the festival themes of migration, human rights and social justice. Running from September 4th to 21st at Dendi Opera Keys, Addison Road Picture House and now also at Kasula Powerhouse. And of course, don't miss out on their famous parties. For tickets and more information, head to slaff.org.au. 2SCR is a media partner of Sydney Latin American Film Festival. On 2SCR this September, tune in for Talk of the Town on Sunday nights from 8pm for the best talks from around Sydney. Talk of the Town kicks off on September 8th with the debate, Love is all we need, or is it? This debate was recorded at UTS and features Stephen Oliver, Chelsea Bond, Wesley Enoch, plus many more. Talk of the Town, this September from 8pm, Sunday nights on 2SER. Be inspired by in-depth interviews with some of Australia's leading journalists. 
Meet the Journalists is a public series of events where current journalism students interview some of your favourite speakers and writers. You can share in this experience too by listening to the podcast or attending the live events in person. Meet the Journalists' latest season includes David Spears, Fran Kelly, Richard Cook and Emma Alberici. Google UTS Meet the Journalists to find out more. UTS School of Communication sponsors 2SER. And welcome back to Film Fuckland. We're just chatting about a Brexit affair. So, but it's some better news. Uh, we are doing a giveaway for the Sci-Fi Film Festival. Thank you, Simon Foster, so much for coming on. As discussed, uh, Norman is screening a time travel film. And it is screening at 3.30pm on Sunday at Event Cinema's George Street. And we've got a few tickets to give away. So, yeah, just a couple of double passes there. And if you feel like uh, grabbing one of those, email win at 2SCR.com. That's W-I-N at 2SCR.com. Yep, it's a Sunday afternoon. Go to the movies. Have fun. Uh, yes, we will be there. It's a, it's a nice thing to do on Sundays. Relaxed. Watch a movie. One of which, another you can watch, is The Farewell, which is in cinemas this week. It is the new film from director Lulu Wang, which premiered at the Melbourne International Film Festival and will be in general release. In Australia. In Australia, yes. <laughs> premiered at Sundance. It's such a Sundance film. It is an extremely, extremely Sundance film. It is starring... But a good one. Yeah, we mean that in a very good way. Usually I don't mean that in a good way. Look, I saw 10 films at the Melbourne Film Festival. This was the best one. It is starring Okafina as Billy, who is of Chinese-American background, and though she grew up in China, lives with her family oh, now. Lived, lived for the first six years of her life in China. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now lives in New York. Uh, her, fam- her parents inform her that her grandmother, who resides in China, is terminally ill and is expected to die in not uh, not, not too distant future. However, the family, as is cultural custom, had decided not to inform the grandmother and let her live out her final days, weeks, however long, without uh, this knowledge hanging over her. And they use the wedding, uh, a pre- the pretense of a wedding back in China to go and say, not their goodbyes, but spend some time with her before she passes. However, there is the central conflict in that Billy, uh, like many who will see this film, including myself, will find this quite a, a concept that I've never encountered this before. I would feel very uncomfortable with this. And there's a tension. How will she react? Will she, will she not tell her grandmother? So, uh, I've talked a little bit in the previous week about how I felt about this film. Guys, what do we think? I liked, um, it is an autobiographical film, and I feel like it has stuck fairly true to the events. It feels fairly true to the events in that it's not super sensationalized. You might be expecting, you know, big eruptions to come forward, but everybody acts pretty much like real people um, in this kind of situation, and the film trusts that it can ring great pathos and great emotion out of the events without over-sensationalizing things. I totally agree. I mean, I was expecting something like August Osage County or, you know, that level of, you know, family drama and conflict. But actually, the restraint in not just the storytelling and the narrative, but also the restraint in the performances is what really brings out the film. I mean, Okufina is really good good by not based on her dialogue, but her non-verbal delivery and expressions and how she's able Mm. to convey the conflict mostly through her expressions and her eyes and her facial kind of uh, Mm. artistry is very good. Her character is meant to be the one who is more prone to outbursts of emotion and she sells that without it making it too over the top. Um, I also want to draw attention to Suzanne Zhang, sorry, Suzanne Zhao, who plays Nai Nai, the the grandmother. She was amazing in this performance. Um, She gave a lot of subtle gradation (laughs) to the performance, maybe even implying that the the grandmother might have known, uh, you know that the um, yeah, it, that it, there are enough hints in there to say that there is you know 
that they're like you know beneath the surface. Yeah, without everyone without spoiling kind of anything, I everything. was wondering. I was wondering just through aspects of her performance throughout the film, how, the very, much, how much how much the beginning of her from the very beginning. Very that's right. Her, absolutely, that's right. Um, look, I was thinking on the way over here what, about what I wanted to say about the farewell, and a thought occurred about how it's so much easier to give a negative review than it is to give a positive one. So even though I really enjoyed this film, it's just much easier to point to the things that I don't like about it, <laughs> which is there's not many. Yeah, but um, there there are. Um, is this one symbol that keeps popping up through the film and it, it so clearly announces itself as this is a symbolic image. This is a metaphor <laughs> because the film never works in that yeah. kind of register the yeah. rest of the time. And if the film didn't end on a callback to that symbolism, uh, then I wouldn't have been so bothered by it. But it, it ultimately doesn't say that much, But seem, so it seems a little bit straining for the poetic to put that in there. Yeah, a film that did it very similarly was Animals with the use of a fox, the Sophie Hyde film. This film I quite enjoyed. There's a bird in this one. Um, yeah. Birds migrate, uh, did, you, did you know? So we're, <laughs> we're going to be talking more on the podcast about The Farewell, some things we liked, some things we didn't like. It is in general release as of this week. The Sci-Fi Film Festival is screening at Events Cinema's George. We do encourage you to go seek it out. We have quite a fun show next week planned. Every show is fun, but a particular, especially fun one because we are talking all things Sydney Underground Film Festival. We have Stefan Pescu on the director to talk all things about the 13th festival, which is screening at the Factory Theatre from September 12th to 15th, as well as Brian Fisher from Kino Sydney, who has a couple, who has been involved in a couple of the films that are screening at the festival as part of the Take 48 short film competition. Chris and I also shot one with Brian this weekend. Past looking very much looking forward to um, seeing all the entries at Take 48, which will be on the Sunday night, the 15th. And we'll also be talking about short filmmaking Kino generally, which Kino just opened for entry for the 143rd session which will be on the September 17th at Sun Studios Get Your Flicks In this has been Glenn Falkenstein Chris Evans and Varat Nehru uh, if you're listening to the podcast stay tuned and stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin have a wonderful night enjoy movies Good night. and we're back on the podcast talking all things The Farewell um, I liked most aspects of this film uh, aside from the symbolism Chris has alluded to there's one quite painful well, painful is the wrong word quite trying scene uh, with very distinct, harsh yellow lighting involving three of the main characters, where throughout the film, all the issues are teased quite subtly. However, there's just was one scene where there's it's heavy on exposition, and they decide to, oh, we just want to make sure that in case you didn't get it, this one scene is dedicated to you, making sure you know what this film was about and the points we're trying to get across, where the distinct points of view for all three characters are very clearly enunciated in the way that wouldn't normally take place in yeah. general dialogue. I think that's actually just a generally one of the minor issues I have with this film. Um, a lot of it feels... I've said before it feels quite realistic. It feels realistic in the sense of how low-key the actual plot works out, but individual scenes can have a bit of a written quality to it where it's like, okay, this film is about the difference between Chinese and American culture and a person stuck in the middle of it. So we um, there's lots of scenes where characters talk about and argue about the difference between Chinese and American culture. And yeah, you can get it, feel a sense of like the, the, the writerly hand a bit. But I can see the actual challenge of doing that, to be honest, because, you know, if you are a scriptwriter and, you know, I was thinking that in my head as an exposition point of view, this movie is aimed mostly at Western audiences yeah, yeah. and how much of that Chinese culture aspect you need it's to about explain explaining it. yeah. versus, you know, how much of that is already implicit 
you know that that is something that you know it's a difficult balance to strike and i think the film strikes it well for the most part and so for those slight missteps i can mm. kind of like forgive the film i don't think it's a flaw as much as a minor kind of annoyance but the thing <laughs> yeah it wasn't a major issue for me however Let's compare it to, and I always make a comparison in the past uh, little segment, to Disobedience, a film which deals with a community which many might be familiar with, many who see the film certainly will be. Disobedience, for the most part, struck a very good balance between um, conveying through action or emotion or the, uh, the, or the quality of the actors uh, what could otherwise have been more uh, less well conveyed through exposition. I feel there there is a key element, the key crux of the plot needs to be conveyed to an audience who wouldn't be familiar with this sort of practice. Certainly, I have never heard of this sort of thing happening before, and it wasn't conveyed very well through very natural dialogue between Billy and her parents. And I, and, I, and it's very simply that not every scene was up to that level. Yeah, and certainly the right. sequence later where it's just too much, also just too much yellow light. There's a uh, um, right. Yeah, it's, um, it's so totally distinct in every which way. The way that thank you for qualifying that as totally distinct because the, I thought you were going somewhere else with no, that. The the way that the um the relationship between Billy and her parents what? is sketched out was excellent, and the the actors playing her parents are excellent. Um, is the same as the relationship between Billy and Nainai, the grandmother, right? Yeah. All the way that the individual um relationships are sketched out is great, and the emotion from those relate you know the emotional underpinnings of those relationships sort of gradually tease out throughout the film um talking about you know too much yellow lighting right <laughs> that one scene it's just so glaring and blatant i guess it didn't annoy me so much because i'm not actually sure where, what scene we're talking about but um i will say though that uh for all and it, it, apart from an excellent scene when they arrive in china um and you see the the strangeness of all the identikit buildings stacked up um, from Billy's perspective, it doesn't really do much to paint China as a location. It's mo- you mostly the sense of China yeah. you mostly get is like kitschy photo- photography rooms and banquet halls. You don't really like New York feels more like a place in this small bit you see of it in this film, even though China is. is I mean, shown more. I just yeah. I disagree. I disagree. I've spent. Uh, I'm not saying I don't know if anyone else has, but I certainly not that it's, that's real on the door, but. I've spent a month in China, traveling throughout the country, and uh, not and I that the, the shots of that city. The it, yes, it was it was tried in the sense that it was here's an establishing shot, kind of like the sitcoms and dramas of the late nineties and two thousands, where here's a bit a couple of establishing shots, and now we have an internal location, and that did annoy me a bit. But I got the impression that yes, this is a distinct city within China. I, I felt that it resonated with me, even though I can't actually say which area of China it was located in. I don't recall if they actually, if they, I'm sure they mentioned I it, they but yeah. I, I can't recall the exact city location. I mean, I think what Chris is alluding to, and I kind of agree with that, is the fact that China may be a distinct location in the film, but it doesn't come across as a distinct place. It's difficult to differentiate what is different about China apart from ch- the cultural aspect. Is apart very from people clear. talking about what's you know, different about you know, China. Yeah. And the the establishing shots when she arrives, again, I think are great, showing like, this strange architecture, but then com- there isn't so much of that for the rest of the film. If you compare that with like some of the Chinese filmmakers who use China as an actual <laughs> location to convey a lot more commentary around how the place and the changing of Chinese culture within that place has played a big part in people's... Uh, you know, aspect of cultural development. I think this film was definitely more American. The American hand was quite showing in this one. They're more comfortable in showing how American sensibilities are shaped by the American sense of place. It, 
while we're picking on this movie, can I <laughs> um, just one one more thing about the visual approach? There's this uh, overplayed kind of um, compositional style of all the characters are taking up the bottom half of the frame, and there's a bunch of negative space above their head. It reminded me of the King's Speech, which keeps keeps using <laughs> oh, that technique. But, uh, where but it's, like it's, it's one, such it's a disservice. As, she's a much better director than Tom Hooper. Yeah, it's not as bad as in the King's Speech, but it's sort of just the case of like one visual idea has been stumbled upon, then it gets applied to a whole bunch of scenes, and so it stops having any you know like particular meaning associated with it, and just becomes like the gimmick of the way the film's visualized. I'm glad we're discussing these aspects of the movie because. Um, separate to the um, really interesting production history behind this film, which once you've seen it, is worth reading up on yep. separately. Absolutely. What I really liked about seeing this was, thankfully, there was a excellent Q&A uh, with Lulu Wang at the Melbourne screening. And she raised the point that she gets asked a lot of questions more focused on um, the cultural aspect of the film, which is perfectly happy to discuss and certainly did discuss in some detail during the Q&A. But um, she notices that there are a lot of uh, people who are le- more reticent to ask questions about the technical side of things. Right. And certainly just looking at a lot of the reviews of this, they're focused on the former rather than the latter. Both are important. Matt Zolosites and- made the point um, a few years ago that uh, critics of film tend to almost entirely focus on theme and uh, ignore the form. But I think this is probably going to be even more of a problem for a, a director who, you know, like the... It's like, oh, you're Chinese. Tell us about how Chinese you yeah. are. You but know? but isn't that also a part of the postmodern way of how we film criticism has evolved, where it is more about what is the film about rather than yeah. you know film Whereas, as an experience I, or I think an it's, art form? I think it's good for the to, to talk about what is the film about, but yeah. how is the film about that? The exactly. form is a big way that yeah. the, the formalistic the meaning uh, is communicated. So we should uh, we should talk about it. Discussions have kind of always gone away because I think it's uncool to talk about form now because it's all about experiences. Mm. And but it, it, I think it's. It's relevant, but I think it's actually much more distinct than that. I think it's very simply that a lot of people who write generally about film criticism, and I would put myself in this category historically. I've certainly tried to uh, get better on this front. Certainly, as I've myself um, gone on to make um, actively try to make more short films of active film production, but. A lot of film critics um, simply do not have the technical background that filmmakers do, which is why I'm having Chris on the show. Chris, who is a film critic, is also an established filmmaker, and he brings a lot of that insight, which uh, yeah, I think the show would be lesser for. Um, on the, I want to give some some kudos in regards to the, the visual approach, since um, having now made that criticism, I do like how the, the film allows these kind of wide compositions to just play out gently. Again, a lot of what's strong about this film is the restraint. So... You know, in, it, it instead of like handheld shaky cam or like lots yeah. of tight close-ups, which oh, is yeah. mostly how indie films are shot yeah. these days. There's a lot. It allows these these nice master shots to play yeah. out. That really, the blocking is quite good, sketching out the character relationships yeah. visually, um, and the, yeah, like I said, most of what's good about this film is is kind of in in how quiet it is and how patient and gentle it is in allowing things to just play. I, out. I agree because I think in a lot of the scenes which work really well, you can see distinct characters in the foreground and the background and the positioning within the wide composition shots yep. really tell you their relationship with the characters and what they're feeling yeah. at that moment. Like one and moment, when they're positioned, you know, the distance right. between the characters, you know, how they're physically distant, but they're also emotionally distant. Exactly. In like that the, scene. The, the image early on in the film of Billy finding her dad facing a window at yes. the other side of a room is one that particularly mm, stands yeah. out. Um, I think it it is quite well directed and and yeah, Lulu the spatial Wang, awareness yeah. is, is really, it's good. really yeah. clever. She has, she has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. Uh, I also think 
the comedy is nice is played at the right level this is mostly a drama not really a, a comedy but it uses humor well in um where just allowing the awkwardness of the situations to play out instead of really playing its hand too far yeah, yeah. Um, on the before we get into it, i just want to jump back to one thing about the special which i is really really handled well you look at the sequences that are shot in new york versus sequences that are shot in china and grant new york is a very packed city but the characters are portrayed as having wherever they are open space and space to move and thrive whereas any sequence where they are internal within a location set in china even regardless of how many people are in the room there is a very visual and very apparent lack of space and people to move so people and it reflects how characters particularly the billy character can feel throttled or um unable to express themselves um the comedy in this film is is great um my favorite scene it involves the uncle at the wedding it's my favorite. it's the i think we've set the standard yeah the that, whole movie. but that moment that is uh one that shows what's great about the film because it's it's really funny but also heartrending at the same time um, two uh, final points to me on this film. One, the use of language is very good. It would have been easy to simply portray the Billy character as not having a grasp of the local dialect and mm-hmm. having that as a conflict. However, it's much more nuanced than that. She does have quite a fair grasp of the language, but not to the extent of many members of her family, which is its in itself a source of conflict. And lastly, um, I discussed previously how much I liked this ending. It, it, it ended about as well as it could have. It's a superb way to conclude the film. I, I was agree. very, very happy with it. I thought it. the ending w- was really yeah, fantastic the, as the well. The ending was a really good cap Really off. beautiful, actually. The, the only other nitpick, which Apart is... Apart from the, the symbolism yeah. that suddenly yeah, yeah. intrudes upon... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only other nitpick I had was the caricature, the stereotype of writers from New York. and how <laughs> It's probably based on true experience. <laughs> yeah. True stereotypes. But, but, also, but also how, you know... Okay, so this movie is about, uh, you know, they're applying for a very famous uh, writer fellowship... <laughs> Uh, and I was just like, oh my god, this is this is you know every writer in New York. Was oh, this the New York Times one? <laughs> no, it's the Guggenheim. Fellowship. Yeah, it's the Guggenheim Fellowship. Right, right, okay. Come on, you can't. Are you even a writer if you don't know the Guggenheim Fellowship? I, I think no, that, that's I, I, common wow, knowledge. Wow, that's uh, some 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 shots for, some shots fired across <laughs> the table here. Wow. But also, uh, like, yeah, sure. so many people apply for that. It's not even that big a deal now that you know. It's anyway. But yeah, writers from New York. It's it's a yeah, it's a trope. But yeah. Right, but this this film is better than that. <laughs> so this film, the film that is very well and better than the trope is the farewell. It is in cinemas from this week. Sci-Fi Film Festival screening events in George Street from Friday through to Saturday, the eighth of September. We'll be back next week talking all things in the Underground Film Festival, kino, short filmmaking, and just enjoying movies. We should always enjoy movies. Enjoy movies. And may we all enjoy movies forevermore. Forevermore indeed. And farewell, my friends. <laughs> farewell. farewell. And may the force be with you all. Yeah, that's the correct quote. Thank you. Yeah. Farewell. <laughs>